I don't know when this whole pandemic is going to end, but I know this. We're going to have some stories to tell at the end of it, aren't we? We're going to have stories in our family. I can just imagine many years from now, us gathered around the dinner table again, and Emma will say, hey, you remember way back in 2020 when that coronavirus hit and we were all stuck in our homes for all those weeks? And Bree will chime in, oh, yeah, I remember in the games we used to play. We, we played that one throw-throw burrito, and Mom and Dad, they were running around the house with foam burritos just like crazy people. And we'll laugh. There'll be stories from the church, too. Stories of how in less than a week, all our church leaders, we were scrambling together to get all our content online. We'll talk about all the videos that we used to shoot and how we had to keep on shooting and all the outtakes we had because we just couldn't get our words right. Kept saying, Liberty Biberty. Yeah, we'll have stories to tell. There'll be other stories too. There'll be other stories in our family of how we gathered together and prayed for our neighbors and how we walked from house to house delivering cards, just letting our neighbors know that we were there and we cared for them. There'll be other stories from the church, stories of how everybody looked out for one another, the phone calls that were made, the meals that were delivered, the grocery shopping that took place for people who couldn't go out by themselves. Yeah, there'll be other stories to tell, and there'll be important stories to tell, stories that God wants us to tell, because there'll be future challenges. And when we are reminded of God's faithfulness through these challenging times today, we'll be confident that he'll see us through whatever challenges may lay ahead. And that's what the psalmist gets at in Psalm 78, verses 1 through 8. Psalm 78, verses 1 through 8. And if you want to take notes, uh, we have on our central app just some, some notes for you. You can get them there. But as we turn to Psalm 78, one thing you need to know about this psalm is it was written by Asaph. He was a Levite, which means he was a music leader. He's a music leader for King David. And he wrote this song, psalm, and in one sense, it's kind of depressing. It's one of two historical psalms. And it's a little depressing because it just shows us how forgetful and how rebellious we as humans can be. But in another sense, this psalm inspires us to continue to tell the stories of a patient, faithful God. Hear the words of the psalmist as he writes in Psalm 78, verses 1 through 8. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He has established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. Tell the stories. Did you hear the psalmist? Tell the stories. Tell them to the next generation that they would then tell them to the next generation, to children yet unborn who will tell them to future generations. Tell the stories. Don't forget, lest they become like generations of old that were faithless and rebellious. Tell the stories. Tell the stories when you walk along the way. Tell the stories when you're driving in your car. Tell the stories as you're sitting around the dinner table. Tell the stories when you get up in the morning and when you lay down at night. Tell the stories. 
Tell the story of Noah. You, you remember the story of Noah, don't you? How the earth was so sinful, so evil, that God's judgment was coming. He was going to flood the earth. But he found this one faithful family led by a faithful man named Noah. And he told Noah, you need to build an ark because a flood is coming. This is to a culture that hadn't even seen rain yet. And Noah's out there and he's building the ark and people are coming by and they're thinking, you're a crazy old man. But Noah gets the ark built and the waters do come, the rain comes, and Noah and his family is quarantined on that boat for over a month. Tell the story of how the dove came and there was this promise of dry land and new life and how God would rebuild his people. Tell the stories. Tell the story of Abram, how God went and called Abram and took him to a place that he did not know, picked him up from his hometown to a, to a country he'd never been to before. Tell how Abraham and, and Sarah were given this promise that Abraham would be the father of many peoples and he would have descendants like the sand on the seashore and how Sarah laughed and thought it was ridiculous how in her old age she would ever be pregnant. And tell the story of how Isaac was born. Tell the stories. Tell the story of Joseph. Tell how Joseph was betrayed by his brothers and sold into slavery in Egypt and how in Egypt he gained the favor of Pharaoh and that God placed Joseph in Egypt at just the right time and gave him the favor of Pharaoh so that when the famine came, Egypt could be saved and Joseph's people could be saved as well. Tell the stories. Tell the story of how a later Pharaoh would come, a Pharaoh who hadn't heard of Joseph, who, who didn't know all that, and how this Pharaoh would take the Hebrew children as slaves and how the Hebrews would cry out and pray to God that God would deliver them from this oppression, from this slavery. Tell the stories of how God raised up Moses to be a leader, to lead them out of Egypt. And tell the story how as they were led out of Egypt, the Hebrews were a disobedient people. They ended up wandering around in the wilderness for almost 40 years. And in their wandering, tell the story of how God brought bread from heaven and water from a rock, how we continue to provide for them and look out for them, even in their disobedience. Tell the stories. Tell the stories of the next leader, Joshua, who would deliver them into this promised land. Tell how Joshua crossed over the river Jordan and he came upon the city of Jericho with walls so thick that nobody would ever dream of attacking it. And tell the story of how God told Joshua, you go around, you take your people, and you march around those walls. And for seven straight days, they walked around the walls of Jericho. And on the seventh day, they marched around seven times in worship. And on the seventh time, how the walls came down and that God gave his people this city. Tell the stories. Why do we tell the stories? Why is it so important to tell these stories? Because there will be times when you deal with inexplicable sin, when you're taken to hard places under difficult leaders, when new viruses come and difficult situations occur, when you're quarantined and you need to know how God has dealt with his people in the past because it gives hope that he will continue to be faithful in the future. He's going to get us through the next challenge and the next challenge and the next challenge after that. So we tell the stories. We tell them over and over and over again. And we tell them our own stories. We tell the stories of how God has been faithful in our life and what he's seen us through and what he's brought us to and how he's provided and how he's used us. And we tell the stories so many times that your stories become their stories. 
You tell the story so many times that God's people become their people. You tell the story so many times that those stories are written on their hearts. Why? Because it won't be the last time that another Midianite army attacks and God needs to raise up another Gideon to lead his people. But when we know how God has coached and has championed Gideon and commissioned him to lead, then we have the faith that God will raise up future leaders who will look out for his people. If we don't tell the stories, we fall into this very dangerous trap of forgetting. That's what the psalmist tells us. And isn't that what we saw throughout the whole uh, Old Testament? I mean, the people that God brings them into a land that is not their own, a land of promise. He allows them to live in houses they did not build. He allows them to harvest from fields they did not work. And yet after a while, they begin to think that all these gifts are God are, from God are actually their rights. They thought that they earned it, that they deserved it somehow. And they forgot. They forgot who God is. They forgot what God had done. And when they forgot all that, they forgot who they were. They, they lost their identity. And when they lost their identity, they were living in a world that was spinning out of control. Isn't that the pattern we see throughout the whole Old Testament? There are these cycles of sin mixed in with stories of grace. You see it in the book of Judges. You see it throughout the whole uh, story of the Israelite people. They forget who they are. There's these stories of God bonding with his people and blessing his people. And then his people becoming careless in their worship, careless in their walk with God, forgetting who God is and forgetting who they are. And so they slide into rebellion and they drift into this disobedient lifestyle. And then judgment comes, pain comes, hurt comes. And when that happens, you know what we tend to think? We tend to think that God is up there and he's just kind of looking at us and he's just kind of counting our sins and seeing what we're doing. He's saying, okay, there's one sin, there's two sin, there's three sins. Oh boy, that's a really bad sin. All right, now it's time to hurl down the lightning bolts. Now it's time to send the judgment to wake them up. And yeah, sometimes God works that way. But, you know, sin carries its own pain. Sin comes with its own consequences. This is what Paul told the church in Romans, isn't it? That he said, the wages of sin is death. And he tells this to the church right after he's told them what it means to be in grace. And so they're asking the question, can we keep on sinning? Now that we're saved, can we keep on sinning? And Paul says, by no means the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is always death. Sin always carries its own consequences. And you know this. Because if you lie, you become a liar and trust is killed. You steal, you become a thief and integrity is lost. There's always a death. It may not be the death of a relationship, but it always is a death of the fellowship, even if for a short time. See, sin always carries its own consequences. Sin always comes with its own judgment. And you know this. You you know how God gives his people the first commandment to love him. To, to put him first above all, all everything else because there's no other God like him. This is a command given in mercy because there is nothing else like him. There is nothing else that you can put in the center of your life. There is no one or nothing that can put, be put in the center of your life and all things be held together. Only God can do that. 
anything else, sooner or later, it will let you down. Your life will begin to fall apart. It will begin to whirl out of control. Only God is strong enough to stand in the center of your life where you seek him and you seek his kingdom. And then everything else begins to fall into place. See, God gives us this command out of mercy. He tells us to love him out of mercy. Put me in the center of your life and I will order all things correctly. And you know this because you've seen people who put other things or other people in the center of their lives. Sometimes it's a relationship, a relationship with a spouse, a relationship with a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a relationship with a child, a parent, a grandparent. Sometimes it's other things. Sometimes it's a job. It's a career. Sometimes it's just satisfaction. Whatever it is, you put anything else in the center of your life, and sooner or later, that person's going to let you down because they sin. That job's going to come to an end. That, that satisfaction, it's fleeting. And then what happens? You are looking to regain what is lost. You're looking to rebuild what's been broken, and you can't. Only God can do that. God is the only one that when you put him in the middle Everything else finds its place. And we forget. We forget because we forget to tell the stories. We forget God's people. And then we forget who we are. We forget ourselves. We look in the mirror and we don't even know who we're supposed to be. We don't even even know our purpose in life, our reason for being. We're just trying to figure things out. We're going through the motions. We forget. See, first you lose the stories of who God is, and then you forget who you are, who you're supposed to be. When you don't have your stories, you don't know who you are, you don't know whose you are. Hear the words of the psalmist again. Do not hide the stories from your children. Tell them to the next generation. Don't forget. Tell them to the next generation. Sometimes we work so hard to make sure that our kids have... Uh, the best education. Sometimes we work so hard to make sure that our kids have uh, the access to the best health care. We work so hard to make sure that our kids are on the best sports teams, involved in the best extracurricular activities. Sometimes we work so hard to make sure we bring our children to a good church. But we forget to tell the stories. We forget to tell the stories of who God is and who they are. And when you forget to tell them the stories, the world will And the world always gets it wrong. What are the stories that you like to tell? What what, what are the Bible stories that as you gather around your dinner table, when you're laying to bed at night, when you're sitting around your living room, what are the Bible stories that you like to tell that you like to be reminded of? I want you to go ahead, put them in the Facebook feed right now. Encourage all of us. Let us know your favorite Bible stories that give you hope, that give you courage. The stories that you just enjoy telling and reminding yourself of over and over again. Let us know. I imagine that one of those stories might be the story of David and Goliath. That's a popular story. Even our culture, we embrace the story of David and Goliath. You'll hear people say, man, I'm like David, and this situation was like Goliath. We talk about it when we reference our sports teams, how here's the David going up against the Goliath. It's just common vernacular. We we speak that way. But do you remember that story? Did did you remember uh, what God did there, how all that happened? David's uh, brothers were in the army. They were going up against the Philistines. You remember this? And David's father, Jesse, sends David out to the the front lines and says, hey, David, you need to bring this lunch to your brothers. And David gets there and he sees what's been going on for a while now, for a few days anyway. And 
And it was a very interesting battle plan that the, that the Philistines had. They, they sent their biggest and baddest dude, Goliath. They sent him right into the middle of the battlefield, right at the front lines. And, and Goliath just stood there and he was taunting the Israelites. And he was saying, hey, who are you going to send? Send the best man you've got. Send your champion. And we'll just battle just the two of us. And whoever wins the battle wins the war. Who you got? Who do you think can take me on? Whose God is big enough that you believe that you could take on me, Goliath? And David, he hears this and he says to his brothers, why aren't you guys going? Who, who's going to go? And they look at David and they say, David, are you crazy? Have you seen how big Goliath is? Nobody's going. And David says, I'll go. And they look at him and say, David, how, what are you thinking? There's no way. You're, you're a small shepherd boy. You can't go. And David says, I can take him. And do you remember what David said? Do you remember why David said he could take him? He said, I was in the fields and I took the lion and I took the bear. I can take Goliath. Do you remember? He said, I was in the fields when the lion came and God gave me the strength to take the lion. I can take Goliath. I was in the fields watching over my father's sheep when the bear came and I killed the bear. I can kill Goliath. Why was it that David was the only one who said, I can take Goliath? Because David was the one who remembered the stories. David was the one who remembered how God had looked out after him when he was up against the lion, when he was up against the bear, and because he saw God's faithfulness in the past, he believed that God would be faithful again in the future. So this brings me to an obvious question. You do have a story to tell, don't you? Sometimes we can just hang around a church building so much and so long, and and we can think that just being around a church building is the same thing as being a Christian. Sometimes we can, we can be in a church building for so long. We, we believe what's taught there. We like what's being said. We, we hang around the church building because so many of our friends are there. They hang out at the church. But, you know, the church isn't about a building. The, the church, we are the ecclesia, the called out, sent ones of God. It's not so much about the building. It's about being sent and then gathering together and worshiping together this God we love so that we're encouraged to go out and be sent to make even more disciples so that we have those stories to tell, those stories to draw upon where we remember, yeah, God was faithful to me there. So I know God will be faithful to me in the future. But sometimes you hear me say, tell your stories and you're racing through your mind and you're not sure you have a story to tell. You, you think maybe you can make up for that just by bringing your children to the church building and they can hear from church leaders what it means to be a Christian, what it looks like to follow God. So we, we bring them here a couple hours a week. And you're hoping that what is done here a couple hours a week can do what you are undoing in your home. Because if you aren't telling the stories, you're undoing anything that takes place in the building. So you have to invite them to be part of the stories. You have to dream with them about how God's going to use you and use your family to go and and impact people. You have to pray with them about what God's doing in your family and where he's taking you and how he's leading you. You have to have stories to tell and you have to invite them to be part of the stories. You know, there's this new enlightened thinking when it comes to parenting, right? That just says, 
uh, we'll let the kids grow up and they can decide whatever what they believe. Whatever, whatever they want to do, whatever they want to believe, that's fine. We're, we're not going to try to put our thumb on the scale either way. You know, if I gave my kids the choice of their diet, what they would eat every day, they would just choose milk and cookies. And when I was a kid, I would have chosen the same thing. Why? Because when we are a child, we think like a child and we choose things that are not good for us. And we do that until somebody else comes along and tells us, here's how you ought to think. Here's how you ought to eat. Because this is good for you. This way of thinking is good for you. So we sit down and we have conversations with our kids and we say, this is what you believe. And this is why you believe it. This is how God has worked in the past. These are not just stories, but these are true life accounts of things that have actually happened and how God has actually worked. And they give us confidence that God will continue to work that way in the future. That he gives us a reason for being a purpose in life. And you need to know who you are and you need to know whose you are. See, this is the message of the psalmist. Tell the stories. Tell them over and over and over again so they will be written on the hearts of your kids. Because if you don't tell them, they won't know God and they will not know who they are. And you'll send them out into a world that is more than ready to tell them who they are and who God is. And the world will wreck their lives because the world always gets it wrong. If God is not at the center, everything else begins to crumble apart. The psalmist knew this. He spoke of rebellious generations in the past, and he did not want to see rebellious generations in the future. And so he told the Israelites long ago, just like he tells us today, tell the stories. Tell the stories. Keep telling the stories. Every family needs to be able to sit around a dinner table one day and remember the stories. Remember how God has worked in their, in their family. A story that starts back when the child was first born and how the parent and the child were dedicated to be godly examples for a watching generation. Stories of how a mom and a dad or a spiritual mom and dad shared the biblical accounts of scripture and told them who Jesus was. Stories of how that first encounter with Jesus and what it was like to begin that relationship with Jesus and the excitement of that. Stories of that baptism and how exciting it was to proclaim to a watching people that this is who I am and this is whose I am. Stories like that. Stories of how you went out and you made your first disciple and what you were doing and how you were pouring into the lives of others. And then stories of how that disciple then went and made other disciples and how your fruit was now growing on other people's trees. You need to be able to tell those stories one day. Maybe you don't have those stories to tell right now. It's not too late. Even if your kids are out of the house, it's not too late. It's not too late to write a card and say, hey, this is what I'm doing. This is, this is how I'm investing into people. I need you to be praying for me. I wish I'd have done this more when, when I was younger, but I'm doing it now. I need you to be praying for me. These are the stories we must be able to tell. You do have stories to tell, don't you? It's not too late to start if you don't. Every family experiences milestones. We just have to make sure that our milestones are worth remembering. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you invite us to tell your stories. Help us to tell them well. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.